0: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of the Rise Together podcast. I am so excited to bring my new very, very best friend in the entire universe, Annie Downs, into the show. If you do not yet know Annie Once you finish this podcast, I promise you will not only know her well, but become best friends with her as well. She is a New York Times bestselling author, a sought-after speaker, a successful, very successful podcast host, and lives in Nashville, Tennessee, where I am in real time, recording this conversation with her. She's the founder of the That Sounds Fun Network, which uh, has her flagship podcast, That Sounds Fun, as a part of it, and is the bestselling author of books like That Sounds Fun, Hundred Days to Brave and Remember God. She is a good human bringing some light to this world. Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Annie Downs to the Rise Together podcast live from her patio of peace. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis and I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise, together. Here we are, sitting on the patio of you, Annie Downs. Yes. This is the first of these that we're doing. So yes. uh, I'm glad, in some respects, that someone who is incredibly inviting and makes someone feel super welcome is my first experience on a stranger, not a stranger, a new friend's That's right. patio.
2: Yeah. Well, great. I'm glad you feel that way. I, I have been very looking forward to this, because we wanted to be friends in real life, and we here have. it is. But also, this space is really important to me. And it's, I mean, you call it your patio of peace, this is a real, it's a very sacred spot for me. Yeah. And and so to share it with you, like for this purpose, felt really special. So I was. What's interesting,
1: about this. I will say, like my patio consists of a chair. Like, yeah. Like there is a single wicker right. chair. The reason why the patio of peace at my house means what it does is the view. Yeah. And that I've got some acreage and it just looks out yeah. into nature. And the and pool. And there's also with the pool this little, like, water running feature that just creates a constant sound of water that again is just like it's a calming soothing thing you have decor, and I just want to give you credit for you. whatever these pictures are. And whoever yeah. picked them out, they deserve an extra, <laughs> a little extra something in their Christmas bonus, if you
2: will. That's right. And I'm sorry about the color of the paint on the wall, but it's the HOA khaki. You I get didn't it. want to say anything, but khaki. it's very
1: khaki. I know. It's very khaki. They just
2: started painting the other buildings. Uh, they're, like, redoing it. And they're this awesome gray, and I was like... After I just did my patio. How dare you? (laughs) Come paint this.
1: So if someone who's listening to this right now, whether it's in the video or on the podcast, has not yet heard of you, I know you to be a New York Times bestseller and a Mm -hmm. speaker, a very, very nice human being. But will you give just a little bit in your own words description of how you would describe yourself, how you think about the reason why you're on the planet and how you hope to use the gifts that you have been given to bring those things to bear.
2: Well, you've been very kind already to talk about. I I, I mean, one of the reasons I'm on the planet is I want people to feel like they have a friend. I I just really love the idea. I think people believe friends. They don't necessarily believe speakers and authors and podcasters, but they believe they're friends. And so I'm not really an expert in anything except like, what do you need to talk about? What do you want, (laughs) you know? And so, so to me, so I write books about my experiences I do podcasts about conversations that I think, I mean, all I'm doing, my best thing in my life, Dave, is I love when my friends become friends with my friends. Right. Oh, it's just, there's nothing better. So good. And so, so you are doing these videos with a bunch of my friends. Some of them you're really good friends with, some of you haven't met. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're all becoming one group of friends. Ah! And so that's what my podcast is to me is every guest we have on. I mean, there is a rule that you either have to already be my friend or someone I want to be friends with. And other if you're a stranger that I'm not interested in being friends with, you're not gonna be on my show. Oh because who wants what a to great, listen to strangers? What,
1: what a great piece of criteria to have as a entry to or not. Uh yeah. a pass.
2: And that's what and the listener knows. And so the listener, if they don't recognize the guest, they go, Well, it's someone Annie's friends with or someone she wants to be friends with, yes. so I should listen and that helps. So and then I do some speaking. I'm mostly now we're, do, we're touring the podcast and taking it around, doing live shows uh, across the country. How is amazing the, is this? You're gonna, you need to do it ASAP. It is the most fun. It's because well, everyone in the room are your podcast friends. Yeah. And so they've been with you for hours a week and they're all there. I mean, you've done Live at Miss before, so you know, but there's something special about doing it. And we sit and do this yeah. in front of everyone. And it's a different show every night, so you're not doing the same thing. And
1: This is rad. Uh, I need to know awesome. more about this off air because I okay. want to do it immediately. There's something so cool about the intimacy created in people doing their dishes yeah. while they are listening. Yeah. But because you're in their ear, mm-hmm. there is some kind of a bond. Yeah. And I can only imagine seeing it in real life, in person just yes. takes what already exists and takes it to the next it's level.
0: beautiful.
1: When you're talking about only having people on that are friends or friends that uh, are going to become friends, yeah. is there some kind of hierarchy of friend, need? Uh, like, are you, are you climbing potentially to the place where will all be camping one day? Are, like, is there, <laughs> is there something, like when you envision this thing, because I want you to just cast it, yeah. speak it into being, yeah. where I am now meeting a bunch of your friends here in Nashville. Yeah. Will we be whitewater rafting soon? Yeah,
2: I mean, before next summer. I think, I mean, (laughs) we're going into the fall, which I don't know how much we whitewater raft then. But, yeah, I mean, my dream would be next time you come to town, everybody's like, hey, Dave's here. You want to get barbecue? Yeah. And we all meet up and get barbecue. And then you are over it staying with Carlos and Heather or, you you know, whatever. I, I think... That is a real gift of Nashville. One of the things, about, maybe this is true about Austin too, but a lot of people move to Nashville as orphans. They don't come with their families. They they have decided to come here to pursue something. Yeah. And so then your friendships kind of end up moving into family pretty quick. It works in a lot of good ways. Some negative ways are it's when you're new, it's hard to get in yeah. because you're not just joining friend groups, you're joining families. And so, but then, I mean, I've been here 13 years. And so it feels like, Okay, here's some family groups. And, and then when friends from out of town come in, it's like, hey, let's get the group together. Because we, we were probably going to eat together tonight anyway. Yeah. And Dave's here. So that's what. But right water rafting, yes. I
1: can imagine, though, that you, I mean, one, you're just such an inviting person conversationally and just in what feels like an empathy that comes through your pores. The mm. idea of being invited into that circle would have someone feeling welcome right away. Oh, and thanks. I don't know, we were going back and forth as I was flying in last night on yes. voice text, and I was like, I think your spiritual gifting may in fact be making someone feel welcome. It's because really as a like, first porch to sit on, mm-hmm. I was like, I cannot wait to get there. I need to, I, like, I don't know, there's Yay. something great about you. I think it's just a, a testament to the way that you are, but also like, it bleeds through the work that you do. Oh, thanks. Let's talk a little bit about peace. Okay. You know, we are here in a tour around this idea that I manufactured or had to kind yes. of work to create stillness inside of what at the time for me was a very chaotic world, yeah. and that getting me back to neutral was so that I could really distinguish the difference between what mattered and didn't, mm. stay super connected to God yeah. in the calm have a conversation with and understand what it was that I was thinking and feeling in a way that could honor it and not try and push it away. Yes. When you create this space, as much as it is, yes, beautiful and ends up being special, what was, like my intention with my patio was, get back to neutral so that I can parse those things. Yeah. What was your intention in creating this space?
2: Um, for starters, I, I want you to hear me say, I've, I've watched you do this and it has been a beautiful journey. Thank you. And awful. Yeah. And beautiful to to be encouraged by and moved by, and you really have. I mean, I think there's something really wise that people need to hear of. When you aren't neutral, don't make decisions. <laughs> when you aren't neutral, you can't parse stuff out, right? Even yesterday, I was saying to I was saying to my friend Ashley, who works with me, like I feel high feelings about these three things, but it's because of this. So once this settles, let's talk about these three things. Oh, that's good. That's right? a good word. Um, okay, so let me tell you about the porch. The reason this patio happened is it used to look like a frat house out here. Like when I bought the place, (laughs) this wall didn't exist. It was just a fence and it, and there was a sheet or some sort of piece of plastic between me and my neighbor. Um, There was no curtains. The floor was old and there was just one couch. The floor was blue. It was terrible. And I was out here some, and then we all got locked into our houses. Yeah. And I, and the four of us that kind of live in this little area of patios Had to, without communicating, we had to non-verbally decide who was going to be outside in their meetings and who was going to be inside in their meetings. And so as the year went on, and I was in here, I kept a journal. I was in here 57 days. And as the two months went on, I thought, I need more. I need this to be a space that I love, not a space that exists. And so then once last fall, once we were kind of out and about a little bit again, carefully, Uh, I had a friend, a designer come in and I was like, let me tell you what I need. I need a wall because I need more privacy and I need a better, I need the floor to be prettier and I need the whole thing to feel better. I want a TV outside so that I can be out here. I need a fan because it was hot all the time. I need twinkly lights so that the night, you know, and so I just kind of went, I've lived in this space and I, this, as I'm saying it out loud to you, Dave, I'm feeling emotion because it's connecting with other parts of my life, but I had lived in this space long enough to know what I actually needed it to be. Mm. And so then I said, now I can make it what I need it to be because I've lived in it, learning what it wasn't.
1: So interesting. That last line, immediately what I jumped to is how often we rush to fill space, create space that we believe will satisfy needs without actually understanding Ooh, what we that's need. That's it. That's right? it. That's it. And there's something I think really beautiful about even if you're in a season of suffering, appreciating that potentially that suffering is for your gaining some wisdom on what it is that you're going to need on the other side of having experienced it. Every time. Yeah.
2: Every time we suffer in any way, whether it's waiting. I mean, I, my counselor asks me often, are you waiting in the longest line possible at the grocery store? Because there is something good that happens in us when we suffer in little bits for that. When we suffer in big bits, we've had practice and we've learned how to survive it and what we need from it. Yeah. And so I wait in long lines at the grocery store, even though it, and I try to keep my phone in my purse and I just talk to myself the whole time, Dave, like, yo, what are you feeling?
1: Yeah.
2: What happens if that line goes faster? What happens if the person in front of you makes a mistake? What is that? What does that mean about your life? What? Then what? Then what? Then what? And I just ha- I mean, I have like a tiny counseling appointment every time I'm at the grocery store with myself because I've got to learn to suffer better.
1: Yeah. What's, what's interesting, too. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut no. you off. But the, in real time, I'm doing this challenge and the week's theme ends up being about the yeah. importance of stillness. Yeah. And we had a coaching on Monday night and I was trying to understand from the community ahead of the teaching, what is it about? Stillness that is hard.
2: Yeah. And what's
1: interesting is one of the things that was said over and over was not so much that they can't find a place or that they can't even carve out the time. Though Those are things. Yeah. It's that there's a discomfort in sitting in our own thoughts.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Right? That yes. if we actually were to create enough room to allow some of what we think or feel to finally bubble up and not be pushed back or challenged by the noise that just exists, we'd have to face it.
2: Yeah. And then we have to deal with what does that mean about what I believe about myself? And what does this mean about what I believe about God? And, and all of a sudden you're, you're facing these thoughts that go, if I actually talk to this thought, it could change the paradigm of my life and I'm scared. Yeah, And so, yes, stillness, my personality isn't very still. I move fast a lot. And so to find that stillness and that peace in me is on my Sabbath, on my days. I take a day every week to not work and to rest and not be on my phone and not really watch TV. And and I grieve almost every week mm. because I have gotten still and I haven't. And so I on Saturday morning I can go like, well, this thing happened Tuesday night that I just didn't take time to feel it. I can feel it right now because I'm still. The first few times I did that, Dave, it was what all your friends are afraid of is how deep it will be and how yeah. how paradigm shifting it will be. But now that it's part of my practice. It's easier, yeah, and I'm not scared of it anymore.
1: Okay, so the book, Built Through Courage, you've got a lot of work around bravery and courage. There's courage in creating that space, right? It requires cultivating something that will have you facing the uncomfortable, whether it's in your thoughts or emotions. But talk to me a little bit about your relationship with fear Mm -hmm. and your relationship with courage or, the, or bravery and yeah. how you think about each.
2: I think they both really matter. I think fear tells you something. If we were getting real spiritual, there's a lot about in the Bible that says perfect love cast out fear, you know, things like that, that you're supposed to say to yourself. And I'm just not great at always believing that. And yeah. so I, I am, I think a really brave thing, something that takes a lot of courage is being a good friend to yourself. I think it actually takes courage to listen to what you're feeling and to listen to what you're thinking. And so my relationship with fear and courage connect really closely with my rela- my own friendship with myself. I'm yeah. going, hey, I hear that you're afraid. What are you afraid of? Or, man, you snapped at that person. What are you afraid of? And because most of the time for me, it does come down to a fear. And when it comes to courage, I mean, I think being brave is what we were all meant to do, right? I think... It, we work so hard to be comfortable sitting out on a porch that I paid <laughs> yep, a lot of money and spent yep. a lot of time to be comfortable in versus the frat house. It was, we work really hard to be comfortable and I want to work that hard to be brave
0: mm-hmm. and
2: to be uncomfortable. And sometimes for me, Dave, the brave thing is, is to step into a conversation and say, Hey, I, I need to tell you what I'm feeling. I need to. And sometimes the brave thing is going, I trust this whole story enough that I'll sit back here yeah. and let, and see how it plays out. That's going to take courage for me too. So they both exist in my life on a pretty regular basis. I talk to my fear more than I talk to my courage. I feel like my me and my courage listen to the fear and go, ah, I hear you. I don't believe you. And then you go, okay, you know what? That is not even possible. I said yeah. it to Ashley this morning, I was like, I'm afraid that the podcast I released today is going to cost me something more than I want it to cost me. Mm. And she said, who's telling you that? I was like, well, it ain't God. It ain't me. It's the fear telling me that I've done something brave that's going to cost me more than I wanted to pay. And... And so I go, oh, I hear you. But courage says do the right thing. Courage says do the thing you know you're supposed to do. And things do cost you. That's the problem with fear, right? Is it's not always 100% a lie. There's always like, well, you can't be sure that that's not a lie. Or that's not a little bit true. And so then you go, okay, if that played out to be true, do I still wish I was brave?
1: Yeah. 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 Is it that, too, you're tapping into the times in your life where in spite of the fear it didn't go away you chose bravery you had an Mm. outcome you realized oh it wasn't as bad as I thought or I ended up growing because of or Mm. the thing I was most afraid of it actually ended up revealing something that brought something new into my life that I would have never otherwise had as a part of my story if not for saying yes Yes. to a thing I was afraid of
2: always true always true my book 100 Days to Brave the number one quote that people say and pull out and that I say a lot is is brave people don't not it's not that they don't have whispers of fear they just don't listen to them yeah right you just don't listen to them and because even when you're courageous and it costs you something even when you're you make a move or a step that feels hard that you're glad you did you did and it'll cost you something every yes is 50 no's right like that's just part of the gig and and what ends up happening for me is I can either say the next day or the next minute or the next year Oh, I I see why that happened. I see why. I I don't often go. I can't. I hope that happens again. I would do it all over again. I'm like people say. I would do it all over again, not me. Yeah. There's a lot of this I wouldn't do all over again. But I'm so thankful to God for what I learned from it.
1: Yeah. I've said as many times as I am allowed to. I I I do not want to repeat the challenging times in 2016 when we had foster kids come in and out of our house. But I am grateful the way it tested our strength and our faith. I do not want to relive 2020. It was the hardest year of my entire life, yeah. by far. Also turned out to be the best year of my life. And I wouldn't have been the beneficiary of my best right. coming forward if I hadn't had to go through my worst. I didn't get to dictate, I didn't get to dictate the terms through which that good year would come but I also don't wanna to have to necessarily go through it again.
2: Man, that I didn't get to dictate is so important because when we pray or, and, and, and go after things that we believe are for us, we don't get to dictate how they come. Yeah, we, it, it's so often I feel like God will whisper back to me. I'm answering the thing you prayed for. I'm just not doing it the way you wanted me to do. 100. percent But I'm doing what you asked. And 100%. I go, No, I don't. But I wanted it to. Da, 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 da. And he's like, Oh, that's cute. Yeah. That's how it goes. What's
1: great too is it actually, you know, I'm like kind of 18 months away from this hardest part of my journey, and I know that there are more hard things that will come, mm-hmm. and in some kind of a beautiful way. The promise of when those hard things come, you'll also have that same opportunity for growth. Yeah. Is permission to not worry necessarily about it or try to preempt those hard things from happening. Like, I'm on a journey that is going to go from the bottom left to the top right of yes. the chart. Yes. But of it's the chart, the of whole the chart. chart. Yes. But it's not linear, right? right. Like, I'm going to have. Three good weeks and then a bad one. I'm going to have three good years and a bad one. Like, I, I'm going to do my best every single day to have better tomorrow, just mm-hmm. be part of my story. And yet, it's not linear. And the mm-hmm. idea that when that hard time comes, the unexpected diagnosis or bad set of news or what, whatever it ends up being, um, that I've been through something hard and it produced something good, yeah. is that, it, again, it's just a promise of, hey, this is what's possible inside of something that you wouldn't have necessarily voted for, yeah. but will have fall at your feet.
2: A friend of mine says, it's not that I have great faith. It's that I have a great memory. Ooh. Right. That's and good. I thought, man, that is so important. That's because good. She's like, that's why I journal. That's why I keep track of, of what's happened in my life is that it's not that I am like so full of faith that the next thing is going to go. Okay. When I'm suffering, it's like, no, I just remember,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I yep.
2: remember how this ends. Yeah, And so I can do this again because I've I'm a person, I've lived.
1: Okay, so this is so interesting. It's a great segue into the thing I was going to actually ask you about next because (laughs) I am very much, especially in this last wild chaotic window of my life in a season of yes. As in, I am saying yes to almost anything that is presented to me, even as it ends up terrifying me Mm. because I was operating for a very, very long time thinking I understood how the story ended. And when it didn't end the way that I thought it would with the work I was doing to try and control the narrative to that end, I was given a freedom permission slip to let go a little bit in that surrender, not think that I actually have control, what a blessing. I don't, you don't, none of us do, but that also maybe there aren't, maybe there's some other things I ought to be trying that I've never had as a part of the playbook to see what ends up coming from them.
3: Podcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odyssey podcast.
1: And what yeah. I think is interesting is in your book you talk about this idea of embracing being an amateur. Yeah. Right? Like I am embracing being an amateur in like every single part of my life, but and that sounds fun. Like that is a through line Mm. and it's something that I think just like universally people struggle so much with because of this worry of not being great at first or what people are going to say or how they're going to feel when they don't, you know, when they fail Mm -hmm. and, and you inevitably are going to, I'm in real time working on a few different things that I know I'm going to fail at, but I'm doing it in part, I think to fail so that I can learn a little bit from that failure in a way that maybe reframes how I even think of failure in the first place. Talk about being an amateur because that was that was a long runway for embracing amateurism or the idea that like the good comes in those spaces where we give ourselves permission to be an amateur is such a it's a courageous act. But it's also like life changing if you can get there.
2: I think we all think everyone else we walk into the bar and everyone else is two drinks in. About everything. Mm-hmm. We think everybody else is two drinks in, and they know what they're doing, and we don't know what we're doing, and they're all calm, and we're not calm. And we forget that everyone is new at something every day. We're all new at today. You and I have never done this day before. Yeah. We've never sat at the same table and had a conversation like this. And while we both know how to talk, we didn't know how to do this. Yeah. And, and I think we just need to remind each other a lot that, the, that every day you're doing is braver than you think it is yeah you are braver than you know right because you don't know how to do this and and so we just have to pick up pick up things like even I, i'm trying to learn to juggle and i'm not great <laughs> I, at I didn't it You did mean to
1: laugh immediately it, right that is not a, that laugh. is a thing that i should be celebrating annie no i should not be laughing at you trying something new and that is terrible We'll edit this in post.
2: No, keep it. <laughs> it is fine. It is absolutely fine. I feel no shame about you laughing at my desire to learn to juggle, but I'm not great at it. Yeah. But but the reason juggling matters is because I need to be not great at some things for a long time. Yeah. Because I've done my job for a long time at this point. I've done unmarried life for a long time at this point. I've done this house for a long time at this point. A lot of the things that are rhythms in my life aren't new. Yeah. And so. When you get there, you have to start inviting. I mean, it's that surrender. You have to start inviting new things. Now, I'm not brave enough, like you're saying, you're building these new projects and doing these things. You don't know if they're going to work. I'm not doing that yet. I'm just learning to juggle.
3: <laughs> I'm just learning
2: to juggle. And then we'll get into the world of, I mean, well, I mean, it, professionally, the thing we built last year was the That Sounds Fun Network, where we really host and manage 10 other podcasts to help them get out into the world. Yeah. And that was, that took a lot of courage because it was removing ourselves from a safe, my show and a safe network and going, let's just make our own house Yeah. and invite everybody to live here. Um, so I, I have done it, but juggling matters because it's not coming easy to me and there's an emotional thing to it for me. So we've just got to do it. You've just got to do new stuff, but also call what you're doing new.
1: Yeah. I just had this experience where I... Declared that I was going to go and do a triathlon. I saw this. Yes I ended up having a really emotional experience in part because it didn't go as well as I was expecting Mm -hmm. I didn't train the way that I needed to for a part of it And so the open water swim just kicked my butt. I mean like just kicked my butt But there was something in trying something new Even though I didn't train for the right race or train in the right way for this race that I have an awareness now of what is necessary to not just accomplish but really slay that open yeah. water swim the next yeah. time I do it only yeah. because of a willingness to try and fail at it and be embarrassed about it and have some shame for it. Were you embarrassed? Oh, I was embarrassed because I was so proud of this thing that I was gonna do and the social public nature of the world uh-huh. that we operate inside of just yeah. felt a little bit like, oh, I'm a little exposed for having bragged-ish about this thing that I was training for, but my biggest emotion in any of it was I knew that I could have trained in a way that would have created integrity between me saying I was gonna do it and keeping Uh that promise to myself by actually getting into open water and having a coach and doing it enough times so that I was as prepared as I could have possibly been when I got into the water on the day of the race.
3: Yeah.
1: I had anxiety leading up, not because, oh, this is a big thing I'm taking on. I had anxiety leading up because there was dissonance between who I'd trained as and who I could have trained as. Wow. And in that space, that space was where my shame lived after the fact because I'd I'd suggested to myself, Dave, you should put yourself in this new space. You should work really hard to do it. And when I got to the starting line, I hadn't worked as hard as I'd promised myself I would. Doesn't mean that I can't still take pride in having, after failing the swim, continuing the race, right? I needed some help in the swim. I got that help. I got out of the water, got on the bike, finished the race, felt good for having persevered, even though it was super disappointing. And yet, because I hadn't actually done the kind of training that I'd promised myself I would do, there was that feeling. Talking about it, you know, also is probably, you know, like a hard thing because I could have just as easily put up a picture of me saying done.
2: Hey, I got yeah. to the finish line. Thank right. you so
1: much. But
2: So that actually can I ask you a question of back. Of course. Yeah. And we can cut this if you don't want no, to. No, anything. But one of the things I think has been beautiful is you've you've done a similar thing with Heidi, where you're not hiding that you're in a relationship again. Is that scary to make that a public thing? What kind of courage did it take for you to go? I'm trying this again, and I'm going to let y'all
1: see. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, everything is scary. Everything's
2: scary. Everything
1: is scary, and this is, again, I I, I don't want to, this is going to sound maybe a little bit crazy, but in the book I quote Tyler Durden out of Fight Club, which is once you lose everything, you're free to do anything.
2: Yeah, okay.
1: Right, so my primary identity at the end of my marriage was husband to Rachel. Right. My work identity was partners with her in a business. My, like so many of the things that were just core to who I knew myself to be having been taken away or stripped away by what was, again, a thing that I have so much gratitude for now, but was super hard in the blank piece of paper that ends up being handed to me, hey, here's your future, Yeah. that terrifying and exhilarating opportunity to rewrite what it is, yeah. gave me permission to almost do whatever. So when it came specifically to relationship, I had a lot of, I mean, like at the very, very beginning, I had, I had zero interest whatsoever in immediately being in another relationship. Right. It was not something that I was pursuing. And I can't, there's no other way but to say, like, it felt ordained. It felt like a, like there was something there in that my ask for her to come on to my podcast to talk about divorce and rebuilding and some of the shame involved and some of the, whatever, like all the, all the feelings. She came, we couldn't record the podcast because I was emotionally incapable of sentences. Mm -hmm. It started a friendship that just over time became something more. and. If, to be honest, if like, I think if I had been pursuing it, like I was out on the hunt. I'm out, like, right. That I think I probably would have felt a little bit different about because I would have myself tried to counsel myself. Dave, you're just coming out of this long relationship. You do not need to be out on the prowl, brother. But
2: But you can't help what gets handed to you. But I
1: couldn't help, right. Like, it started... We had this, you know, we had this chance meeting. Didn't record the podcast and started. As I'm sitting on my patio of peace, yeah. it started with the exchange of songs. I actually I was talking to Coffee Anderson yesterday about this. Yeah. The first song that Heidi sent me was his version of Holy Spirit, yeah. and it was on that back patio where, again, still I'm processing my grief with a ton of tears yeah. and this attempt to try and connect to God on a patio. Music by someone like Coffee or Ben Rector, whoever it might be, was just like complicit in this. But so many of those songs were being sent via text by this person whose interest at the beginning truly also was friendship and empathy for shared experience in the way that we were both coming out of relationships. She was a little further along and that she and her ex were about a year into their journey. We met when I was only a couple months out of this. And so it just took a little bit of longer, a, a bit of time. Your question 18 minutes ago was that I feel comfortable or uncomfortable, f- frightened or not in sharing our experience. What's interesting is I don't know that I even thought that much about it wow. because I have learned that the times when I feel the best about myself, when I'm by myself, are when the person that I am representing to you as a friend or to my f- community online is... In integrity with the person that yeah. I actually am. Yeah. And so, um, if there are times when That's I am really struggling, good. right, and I'm representing that everything is awesome, I feel terrible about myself when I'm by myself. Yes. Because yes. of that dissonance. Yes. And at the same time, if things are going well, and that. A piece of those things going well is that there is something in relationship and and an amazing person in Heidi. Yeah. Not talking about it would have created some integrity issues that again would have made me feel like I wasn't being an authentic representation of myself. And so it was just like, you're gonna get what you're gonna get. You're gonna get the you know like the stuff that's great on the days that are great.
0: Yeah.
1: And and in real time, not that this is a relationship podcast about me and Heidi, like. Heidi and I are still comfortable talking about how hard it is to try and date after having been married with four kids 973 miles apart with, you know, like different parenting styles and a whole host of things. But, you know, there's still, I think, beauty in our attempt to try and figure out how to make it work, even though it's still going to be messy. And there's something, I think, in the messiness that says... If you're going through anything like this person in the community, well, good news, it's normal.
2: It is so scary as a public person to talk about dating.
1: Yeah. It's a strange thing coming out of a relationship Mm -hmm. where the relationship was good and the reasons for the relationship ending were a thousand small things and a single question. I mean, I put it in the book. Rachel asked me, do you think you can be the man that God created you to be married to me? which is a super heavy floor falls out from under you kind of question. right? But the transition of our relationship was a surprise to me, but was also like a real surprise to the community of people that we were in relationship with yeah. every single day. And yeah. so they like, I think rightly felt like, wait a second, what in the world is even going on here? Mm. And so if there was anything, I tried to like track Back, like, are there any things that we could have done differently in having had a podcast where we, we were talking about the things that were going on in a relationship it, and not like, oh, we figured it out. But like, oh, we are working through this yeah. that I think at times had people thinking, oh, these guys are relationship goals or whatever, sure. instead of what for us was like trying to do our own version of therapy in a right. podcast, Mike. Right. Um So I think a little bit now through the lens of, okay, careful to make careful to not make any of the mistakes that you may have made previously Mm -hmm. in having people believe their version of truth. Like, (laughs) I just want to. So I don't know, like in anything, I'm not interested in being a relationship coach necessarily, but also if I'm going to show anything about relationship, I'm going to show. Hey, there's really, really great stuff, and also it's really hard. And yeah. there's plenty of days where we're, you know, working on things. And
2: I mean, it's the open water swim.
1: one hundred percent. That's what
2: made me think of it. Is I thought, this sometimes I worry that I can't open water swim in front of my, in front of my friends online because they put so much hope in me finishing the race. And they, they are going, I will have hope if Annie, if it goes right for Annie. Yeah. So then I go, well, I can't swim in front of you. I'm obviously not talking about swimming. Yeah. I can't swim in front of you because I have sensed, may not be true, I've sensed that you're banking your hope and courage on my hope and courage. Mm. And therefore, I have to do this privately because it it adds gravitas to this swim that I do not feel. Yeah. And so it has to stay it, until things are... And, until the relationship is more settled or more uh, a conversation has happened that said, can I be public about this? Right. I've I've wrestled with the, what kind of courage it takes to be wise and public mm. about romantic relationships, open water swims, uh, because of how much I feel responsible for the hope I sense people have put in me. Ooh, is that a terrible thing to say? Oh, no, no,
1: I love this. And the only thing that's worse than, like, letting them down, if you will, because of it being harder than, of course, anyone likes to believe it to be, is only showing them the open water swim once you have perfected it in a way that Ah, makes them think that there is something wrong with them for not being able to swim well at the beginning. right? And that, like... If there's anything in, you know, if people were to ask like, you know, Dave, how do you think about yourself or your brand or whatever? Like, I think the thing I probably get mo- most often is like, wow, you're you have a willingness to talk about things that are yeah. both hard and good. But like the hard stuff. Probably connects more to people because yes. of it actually making them feel freaking normal because yes. it like life is hard. It, the, the, it, there are, it is a struggle. And then, like, seeing something of our shared humanity in the struggle of someone else that you admire who does, through perseverance, end up figuring out how to swim. Mm-hmm. But they aren't discounting how hard it is to learn how to <laughs> figure out that open right. water in the, in the like, that messy middle part. Right. At least makes it feel like, oh, okay, good. They're normal. Like, I got plenty of notes in the <laughs> triathlon story. I was like, thank God you failed that part yes. because otherwise... Like I would again question if you are just wired differently or yes. a cyborg. Are you cyborg? Even a human? You yes, even a that's human? exactly like, right. That's yeah, right. I'm a human. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Of course, I'm a human.
2: Yeah, it's just that balance, right? Because it's hard to insta story from open water. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, I, it's in my life, I have felt this like, okay, let's let's do a let's do the training and let's talk about the training and let's talk about. So in relationship, you know, we had a podcast release today. I told you yesterday yeah. about about doing a Q and A about singleness. And I thought, I have to do this now before I'm in a committed relationship because people will believe me now right? They will believe, they be, I believe you about singleness and I believe you about dating and I believe you about marriage because you've experienced all those, but the one you're in right now is dating. So if we were really sitting here talking, I'd be asking, I mean, we are, but you know, yeah. I mean? I'd be asking you 65 questions because I know where you are and what, where I want to go. Yeah. And so save from,
1: those for tomorrow. I'll do the podcast yes. <laughs> tomorrow and you can ask me anything.
2: <laughs> well, no, I want to ask you like over, over a meal without yes. microphones. Yes. Um, so it mattered to me that the courage that today asked of me was, will you talk about the thing while you're still in the middle of it versus getting to the other side and going, look, I did it. Yeah. Look, I'm, now I'm in this relationship that y'all want to see. And now it's all going the way we you all wanted it to. And I wanted it to. And then the fear. So then the next open water swim for me is dating publicly or dating, being in relationship. Because historically, I haven't been public about it at all. Yeah. So I'm still figuring out what this all looks like and what courage looks like for me in this area. But I... I am experiencing it in real time today about my swim.
1: Yeah. Well, I will say, because I've tried to take any learning I can out of the things that didn't work as well in a marriage that didn't continue, there are certainly, I think, guardrails, boundaries that need to be established between both people on how much you want to share, whether it's okay to or not. And anytime it starts to tip into it feeling like serving the audience or social or whatever is prioritized over respecting the relationship that's like yes, oh probably. goodness we got It just we gotta, makes we for just, a lot of
2: conversations right
1: 100 percent. but
2: everybody who has facebook has to figure that out yeah oh what are, yeah what do you and your the person you're dating or the person you're married to want to figure out about how much of this is public yeah it's just a little different in in lives where we create content and so much of our life seemingly is public That we have to go, okay, so what are the boundaries for me? And then, hi, new guy, what are the boundaries for you? Welcome to this life you've been able to watch on the internet. Yeah. Now you're in it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. I don't know how I could date someone who doesn't have some comfort, Mm -hmm. comfortability with the public nature of life. like. I don't consider myself to be a celebrity, but there is a like fishbowl ish nature to doing yeah. the work that I do. And even in like the books that I'll write or the podcasts that I'll have or coaching mm-hmm. I'll do, I am exclusively like you tapping into and sharing my personal experiences, personal experiences that yeah. would never look to demean or, or not respect someone, but yeah. would potentially have some of the teaching touch on a thing that would make. It's, public is a, is, a, is a tough, tricky thing. Yeah. All right, last thing, because I know okay. you got to go, and I want to uh, honor your time. Fun is yes. a huge part of your life. Yeah. Tell me just a little bit about your relationship with fun, the podcast, anything, everything, because yeah. fun is just everywhere with I you. I
2: know, I've just like accidentally built an entire career around this little three-letter word that people don't talk about after fifth grade, right? <laughs> but... It really matters to me. I think we need fun because fun is what reminds us of what's simple. It actually is where a lot of connectivity comes from. When you are having fun with someone, like this is really fun for us. We will not forget this, right? Because it it matters that you have fun with people and build those memories. It's that same conversation of like, how do I know I can do this again? Because I can remember we've done it before. And so that really matters to me. And there's just a depth to it that I don't think people pay attention to when, when you're having fun with someone, I mean, men do it probably more than women because women like, uh, this is vastly sweeping, <laughs> to be clear. Yep. A lot of women like getting coffee with each other or sitting down together and just talking. I know, I, I was given the advice before, if you want to have a serious conversation with a guy, get in the car, let him drive and give him, or go on a walk so that you are doing something while he's listening. It just kind of helps with the communication. It actually helps with me too. If I'm walking and talking, i get a lot processed in my brain but if you can have fun with someone and then accidentally have a serious conversation in the middle it just makes it makes way for for the deeper things and so I really believe in it I think we don't prioritize it enough I think rest and fun have gotten really lost in our American culture Mm -hmm. particularly and so I'm just a little bit on a on a quest to return rest and fun to an average part of an American's life because I think when you find those things you actually find the other things you're looking for I think you find the relationships, so you find the spirituality, you find your own health um, when you when you let those things kind of drive a little bit.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think there's something, people are always, you know, I don't know who I am or I've lost who I am and getting back to where your passions lie always mm-hmm. for me is the like thread to follow. Mm-hmm. What did you want to be or what were you into before you became who you've become, Yes, right? and And fun so often, is this feeder pool for passion. And the places where you have the most fun, often you are an adjacent space to the places where your passions live. And if you can cultivate those, they can lead you to purpose. They can lead you to fulfillment and all those things. But if you're... Not allowing yourself for whatever reason. Oh, I'm not allowed to. I can't indulge in. It's selfish or it's, you know, culturally not something that people are necessarily going to champion.
2: It's about asking why.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're closing yourself off, though, from the possibility of getting closer to to something inside of the passion space that would lead to something more.
2: That's right. That's exactly right, Dave.
1: Annie, uh, when are we going to hang out again next? I think what, tomorrow, right? Okay, great. <laughs> We're trying just, for tomorrow. <laughs> I want it on tape, so I'm just actually yes. asking in real time while other people the are watching. It feels like we have to confirm it. Uh, if For anyone who is going to listen to this in podcast form, they are yeah. not familiar with your work, yeah. with your podcast, where to follow you. Will you just do a quick... I will do a, a lovely intro of Thank you for the actual show. But um, if you could just give a quick where to follow and what the po- how, to, how to like get the podcast.
2: Yeah, it's em- I'm embarrassingly easy to find. I'm Annie F. Downs everywhere, like fun. Annie F. Downs all over the place. That's how you can find me in the show. is called That Sounds Fun. So just wherever you love to listen to podcasts, go search That Sounds Fun and it'll be there.
1: I love that. All right, if there were one single piece of advice that you would give to anyone who ends up watching or listening to this? Yeah. Could be an actionable piece of advice, a, a, you know, something that you'd like them to think about. What is the single thing?
2: Fall in love with the life you have today. Ah. Do whatever it takes to fall in love with the life you have today.
1: A little power of now kind of idea. I yeah. like this. Annie, we are now best friends forever. I
2: believe it. There's no taking it back. (laughs) I refuse to take it back. You are really stuck with me. This is what people sometimes don't believe, but you're gonna see.
1: I feel like I've just been jumped into a gang.
2: (laughs) If this was that, I I hope that's as hard as it gets for you.